So this is Pam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Shauna Lee for the first time. Welcome to the Pam Electric Ghost podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I'll let people know that we are a featured podcast on the Newsly platform. You can see that icon up there. It says listen on Newsly. So later tonight, we will be on the Newsly platform. You use coupon code GHOST to get one month free for premium subscription on that platform where you can listen and stop scrolling and listen to your favorite podcast. Again, we're on that platform. So again, tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to you and we have your topic is um, what the focus is. How does the person find their purpose? And yes. this is actually episode, um, if we get to that, <laughs> um, we're at episode 937. So we kind of found our purpose <laughs> yeah. of, of the Family yeah, you did. podcast. We've been on the air since uh, 2016. Um. So yeah, thank you again for being on the podcast. And uh, I don't know if you do. You want to start with like how you got into your your business as a podcast host and best selling author, or go right into how does the person find their p purpose? Maybe well, you can just decide how you want to answer. I that. mean, both get us to the same place. Let me just tell you, it's it's not a direct path, is what I've discovered. Um, I actually just did an episode on my podcast, um, start again with Shauna Lee, about this very topic. And it was with three really specific tips on how you can use different spiritual tools to figure out what your purpose is. If you're one of these people who are like I was for many, many years, kind of wondering, you know, what am I good at? What should I be doing with my life? How do I turn that into making money? Um, do they have to be correlated together. And so for me, it took um, some bumps and bruises and stumbles along the way to figure out that I'm really good at talking to people and I can make that a living. And so, um, oh gosh, how do we start this? So I actually ended up divorced for the third time and my crawling out of that shame and guilt that came after that last divorce got me to the point where I was finally ready to use that as fuel to help other people and fun, you know, create a business. Um, and so I wrote my book. Uh, so you're divorced. So what? And it really is about how do you rebuild your life after divorce? It's a guide for people to kind of put one foot in front of the other and figure out what's next. But it gives people permission specifically to dream big and open up to what the what it is. It's a new beginning. It's possibility. Possibilities are endless. Um, and really just allowing yourself to figure out um, what you want to be doing. And um, so it it took me a little bit to realize that the book could play along really well with the podcast and that I'm reaching the same audience and really helping people to start over in a point in your life when a lot of times you feel like it's too late to start something new, or maybe you're too old to do this thing you've always wanted to do. Um, and I really am, am here to do nothing more than to shine light on people who've done that and give people permission to do that for themselves. I think that's like, I, what I noticed is I'm a cancer survivor and I kind of went through my crucible moment, age 27, I'm age 55. And it, you know, there's like the pre-cancer version of myself and then the post and yes. the podcast wouldn't have been something I would have done pre-cancer the music I'm a musician I wouldn't have really done that I would have just been in the background I wouldn't go make my own band be the lead singer so a lot of yeah. things I I did because 
sometimes you have to go through it. And I find that when I, you know, I started this podcast talking to musicians and most mm -hmm. of the time singer songwriters, their best songs are because of heartbreak or sadness or melancholy or something that they Absolutely. worked through. And yes. so I find we find that that's like the, the fuel <laughs> to, for creativity, you know, regardless of whether you're a musician or not, it just seems to be a common thread. It is a common theme and definitely one that held true for me in my life. Um, it was those moments. I call them the start again moments, but it's after most of the time an extreme loss of some sort, a loss of identity, a loss of a job, a loss of a, a spouse. Um, it's those moments that kind of bring us to our knees that give us the opportunity to say, okay, hold on a second. What am I doing with my life? Is this really the direction I want to be going? And, um, you know, usually there's a, a more fun and easier path to enjoying life a little bit more. Yeah. I just find that creators and, you know, creators aren't just isolated to authors and musicians and even painters. You know, I yeah. find entrepreneurs, I find, you know, life coaches, you know, therapists, you have to have a certain creative capability to be able to kind of, you know, work off the cuff and listen and, and process. Yes, and so absolutely. I think, I think a lot of people are creative and maybe they, they, they kind of put musicians and artists in a category and say, I could never reach that. And oh, I think sure. That, I think that's kind of a mistake because a lot of people, you know, human beings, we're, you know, inherently creative. Yes. And, and I think art therapy is is a big thing that people find. What I've seen in 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 all these interviews I've done is people tend to find that they that you know journaling or doing something that makes them feel happy that's not work, but you yes. know allowing them to kind of think about what is happening. You know, the process the inside and the outside, and and figure out what's going on and be like retrospective. Uh, that that's not just you know for guys like people like Bob Dylan. It's not for, for right. Madonna. It's not for Lady Gaga. It's for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the way that we tap into creativity is different for everybody. My favorite people to talk to are the ones who who claim to not be creative, and I disagree. I think every human being on the planet was made to tap into their creativity, and the beauty of it is that we can all do it a different way, right? I can create online courses, or I can create, you know, digital content or, um, you know, write a book, but being able to tap into that creativity is this is the magic, right? So for, I, I would never compare myself to a singer songwriter or someone who can get on stage and sing, you know, dream of mine to be able to like hold a tune, <laughs> but, um, but it's the same process what I found. And actually this is a great segue into the link that you've provided here is my signature program is it's called align and it's how you align your body, mind, and spirit. Um, because that for me was how I could get myself aligned and tap into my creativity. So I wrote a novel that's yet to be published and being able to get into that creative flow was important for me to be able to put words on paper in a really efficient way. And it, it never failed. I would sit down to write a chapter and I would think it's going in one direction and just, you know, we'd go in left field. And I just, when I was in the flow, it would just come out and never where I thought I was going, but it ended up really in a cool spot. So being able to tap into that and align with who I ultimately am was the key for me. And so that's what I teach people how to do in that program. That's very interesting because um, that's a common thread 
with singer songwriters, I people musicians I've interviewed. That a lot of us, you know, we will, you know, we we attempt to put things on on the sheet and and really be very logical about it sometimes. Yes. But most of the time, the best work I've ever when I've talked to people is the stream of consciousness in the flow kind of muse inspired music where you trust yourself yep. and you don't overthink it. And then all that practicing when you became a musician, you learned your instrument, that's just there. That's yeah. there. It's just taking all, you know, the inside and the outside and just having this muse, you know, the Victorians yeah. thought about the muse. Yes. And I really believe, you know, as a musician, I've, I've, I, I, as I got older, I started to let go of yep. trying to write the perfect song. I say, I just let it happen. Let, you know, like the Beatles, let it be. And when yep. you find out that that actually creates usually the best work I've done is the work where I've kind of just let it happen. Absolutely. It, <laughs> I think that it's us tapping into the divine that gets to flow through us and you can call it whatever you want. But I think it's, it, it is interesting to me the times that I've done that, where either it's been a hit of intuition that I got for, you know, an idea or whatever. Um, what is interesting is that I'm not the only one who's getting that hit of inspiration or that download or in the creative flow. That's when you'll hear a song that's similar, or you see the plot of a movie that's similar, like everybody's getting that it's who who's listening and tapping into that and sharing it is is really mm -hmm. the fun thing to see yeah and when you're open enough to like allow yourself to be the vessel and it's kind of like what happens is like, and it's not it, it is a lot of it is you it's like there's a lot yep. of internal stuff that's subconscious like musicians we find ourselves subconsciously somebody say hey, did you know you just pulled a theme song from a from a, something from the 30s and what you just did and i'd like i didn't even know because yeah. it just kind of came out because it was in the back of my subconscious. And a lot of times musicians will pull things and we interpret things, but it's stuff that's in our head, that's in our kind of DNA. And it just yeah, yeah, comes yeah. up and we yeah, just yeah, learn yeah. how to apply it to wherever that emotion was at the time. And then it comes out. Oh yeah, totally. And I, I've told people often, I think, you know, we're all just human beings are just the people who are interpreting the energy. So it always comes out through us in our own human experience and our perspective from, you know, with our personal context, that's the color of what we share. And that's, I, I don't know, I think it's really interesting to see different people interpret the same thing in various different ways. And that's when you get to tap into what you're good at and your skills. And, and that gets to paint the colorful picture that we end up seeing. So when you started to write your, you've been a podcaster, mm -hmm. may I ask you like, I got into podcasting back in 2016 mm -hmm. just because some guy asked me, you know, about my music and we did an interview. And I didn't even oh, know nice. what a podcast was. Yeah. And then from there, we, we liked each other so much that we did a podcast together for like yep. six months. And then, yeah. then I, I, we, he couldn't do it anymore. And then I started continuing and yeah. I said, Oh, I'll, I'll go ask other people, other musicians. And I just started doing it. And I wasn't trying, it wasn't a big plan. I just said, Oh, I like this format. And I started to yeah. do it. So maybe you can tell your story, how you got into podcasting. Yeah, this was not the plan to be a podcaster. <laughs> it's not at all. I actually am the host of two podcasts. Um, the first one, um, I I really struggled with the same imposter syndrome that everybody struggles with the first time you go to do some big scary thing. I had actually been hearing in meditation 
podcast, podcast. It was just the one word for months and months and months. So I was like, okay, I'm going to wrap my head around this idea of starting a podcast. And I was scared and worried about what people were going to think and all the things. And I didn't know how to do any of the pieces. And I ended up finding, um, of course, because the universe provides, I ended up coming across Jenna Kutcher's The Podcast Lab. And it is like she breaks it down into the tiniest little details where you're like, okay, if she could start a podcast just with her phone, I'm pretty sure I can do this. And so I started my podcast last year, actually, um, after stalling for quite a while. I probably stalled for about a year before I finally was like, okay, I can do this. Um, And then it just ended up being easier and harder than I anticipated. Um, But I was having a lot of fun with it. And I was just having conversations. And I thought, well, this is really kind of easy just to talk to people and hit record and share. Of course, there's more to it, but um, that's essentially what it felt like I was doing. And so I just kind of leaned into it and had fun with it. And I did take a hiatus at the end of last year um, because I think every time I find myself in a project, this happened when I painted my kitchen cabinets, actually. I, you get three steps into the process and I'm like, oh gosh, this is a lot of work. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And then I pushed through and it ends up great. Um, Well, one of my girlfriends asked me, actually, she begged me. She said, I've always wanted to start a podcast. Will you please do it with me? And I said, no, absolutely not. I will not start another podcast. I'm already doing one. It's enough for me. Um, and she was persistent and here I am co-hosting a podcast with her. It's called shoot the shit. And it is the most random stuff that we talk about and we just have a blast. And, um, anyway, so we started that this year. And so, yeah, now here I am hosting two different podcasts. Yeah. Cause I mean, when I started, it was on an app called Spearman. It was all on a phone. It was just on a phone. And then later I said, well, you know, I, yeah, I was a musician and I had all this equipment and yeah. you know, it was only in 2020, you know, I, I've been doing it since 2016, I switched to video and then we yeah. still do audio in the background. Everything becomes audio, but sure. we found that the video allowed us to do some things that we, you know, as musicians, when we do video performances, we know what that feels like. We know that has a big impact. So I started, mm-hmm. oh, that, that'll actually be work better. But I still have my, you know, most of my podcasts are audio. They take the video and they just convert it to audio. There's only mm-hmm. like five platforms where it's video. So, you know, video is still not the biggest, um, you know, niche in, in the market, but video is getting really big. Mm-hmm. And so I just did, you know, took advantage of the t- stuff I already had, you know, as a musician, I said, oh, I'll just use it. But it's, yeah, it's just become you know, something where I didn't plan and now it's monetized. And now, um, I, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't planning on that. And sometimes things happen, they get the hand, the, it comes into your lap and you're like, wow, yeah. I didn't even expect that. I expected yeah. just to be writing music, you know, and then I end up doing this. So it's kind of, how did you figure that you, your book would integrate? Because like, I didn't know how my music would integrate. So maybe you can talk about that. Oh, well, I didn't is the short answer. Like I, <laughs> here's, here's the key. I have learned how to trust myself. And I think following my intuition has become something that, well, first I had to practice. Um, So writing my book was one of those where, you know, I'm following my intuition. It didn't end up terrible. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust myself a little bit more the next time that I, and so by the time I just, honestly, when it sounds the crazier it sounds is usually the more that I should do it. And so I've just learned to trust myself and follow those nudges. Um, 
I'm trying to get better, you know, like video is the next, this is the direction things are going. Well, I personally love that podcasts don't use video. Um, at least that's how I've embraced mine. Um, because I like to show up to work without having to do my makeup or my hair. And so for me, I'm like, I, I'm going to fight the video part for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think just, you know, following my intuition and, and it is a muscle that has to get stronger. The more we do it, the more we trust ourselves. Um, so I guess, how would I answer that question? It, I really didn't know how the book was going to integrate initially. And at first it, it felt a little disjointed that I had written this book and I'm writing another book. It's, it's called, um, welcome to the shit show midlife dating at its best. And <laughs> it is all about, um, these, I've heard so many stories and I've have so many of my own, this whole experience of dating in your midlife, uh, that, you know, the good, bad, the ugly, there's some good stories in there. There's some terrible stories. You're like, did that really happen? Um, and so these are a bunch of different dating accounts, um, of real life people who have changed their names. And then, um, the other part of the book is actually, um, guidance on direction on how do you date with intention? How do you change your patterns? How do you actually attract the person that you're seeking to call into your life? So it's like part self-help, part entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. and so if you look at the dating book and then this guide on how to put your life back together after divorce. And then I'm talking a lot about entrepreneurship and business owners on my podcast. It felt a little bit um, discombobulated for a little bit until I realized everything that I'm doing is to help people do one of two things, either make more money or fall in love. And so if I pull it back to those two things, any one of the books I write or the podcast thread. episodes, that it all comes back to those two things. Yeah, because I, you know, people ask me uh, before, you know, I, I used to only interview musicians and writers and creatives. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, when I started to interview business people and entrepreneurs and life coaches and shamans, they said, well, how does that integrate? Mm -hmm. Well, did you never really listen to the story of the Beatles? Like the Beatles got into shamans. The Beatles inspired filmmakers, artists, entrepreneurs, like CEOs. Music has always inspired all types of people because it's like it's a theme song. It's, yeah. you know, to a lot of people's lives, it, it, you know, music has inspired activism, inspires people to, you know, be creative. So I said it was a common thread of creativity. And I if you're a that. CEO, yeah, you're, you're creative. So why not? Why, why not take that kind of idea that things can be expansive? Because everybody mm -hmm. wants to be in the narrow niches. And I say, there's a lot of things that are expansive in music today. People are cross genre. Mm -hmm. They're mixing country with hip hop and rock and punk. And it's all kind of cross. And a lot of things that end up being really cool are when things cross. Oh, so yeah. I, I said, well, you know, my record label is called expansive sound because I like yeah. to mix things up. And I don't want to just be in one lane. I want to kind of cross lanes. So I yeah. said, well, that, that actually matches what I do. So it's not that big a leap to do what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And there's a common thing with that, that we have in common. So I actually have called, um, my guests expanders. So in a lot of way, the people that I am interviewing on my show, they are expanding my listeners view for their own life and what's possible when they hear these stories at that these amazing so far, it's just been women, but all these people who come on to be a guest on the show and they're sharing their story, it, it expands your view of what is possible. So 
I am fully behind this expansive idea that you're talking about. Yeah, because it was interesting because some people, I, I asked for advice when I decided, oh, I'm going to expand my podcast. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, you should rename it, rebrand it. I said, no. I just, I looked at it and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I decided to just make it under one brand and not to segment into multiple. And I understand that people, they could have argued one way or the other. And maybe yeah. in the future, I'll create a different one. And I actually did with an alter ego. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Ego. So I have an alter ego that is a, like a character, like a, like a David Bowie character named like Josephine Electric is a character in my band. And so I have a separate podcast for her that I, I she's a made up it. character I created. And so uh -huh. I, I understand there's niche markets and you can do stuff like that. But oh, for sure. I just, the idea of expansive was like, oh, I can kind of put it under that one banner and build my brand of fan electric and it's yeah. a podcast and it's a band and I'm a music producer. And so I get all kinds of opportunities that I didn't expect. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. But I also think you're hitting on another important thing, which is you can always change your mind. So you can go down one path and then decide, no, nah, I don't want to do it or it's not working or for whatever reason, you can always change your mind. Yeah, yeah. There's no one set rule for everybody. Um, yeah. And that's why I think people people are always looking for some kind of like instant package that's going to solve everything. And I think oh, yes. a lot of times it's like you can kind of make things work. You just got to, you know, a lot of it is the belief. Like a lot of times, like you're your own worst enemy. Because what I found is like my grandpa was a coal He is a coal miner. He said, you know, just show up. If you oh. show up, like, you know, because my grand grandpa, yeah. like he showed up working every day. He built his house. For, he didn't know, you know, he built his own house. Became a he, didn't, he was a farmer, he's a mechanic, an electrician, oh, wow. a plumber. He just learned how to do everything. He looked, couldn't know why. Because I showed up every day in the mine. And when they need somebody to learn how to do the electric, you know, or the wiring in the mine, well, I'll do it. He went do the plumbing, I'll do it. So he just went oh, wow. and used it as a learning experience and learned everything they could yeah. and he applied it. And so the idea that if you just show up and do every day that you yeah. can get out there, but if you keep it to yourself and you don't try, oh yes, then things won't happen. You kind of have oh, to my make gosh. it happen. <laughs> yeah, you can I can think of all these people like that have this insane talent that they're just because they're afraid to share it, like they're, they're being selfish. They could be sharing that beautiful gift with the world and they're keeping it to themselves. Um, and it happens all the time, but I love that. Just show up. Yeah. A lot of people was like, Oh, you know, with musicians, like I run into people like as a producer and they want to show me something that like a copy of somebody, something else. And I always say, I want to hear the thing that you don't want to show me. I want oh, to hear yes. the song that you're scared to show me because yeah. what I find is that usually is the best thing I've ever heard yep. is the thing that they're the most scared of. Yeah. And I find that in life, it's the same thing. Like most people, the thing that they're most afraid of is the thing they probably should be doing. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. All the time. Absolutely. I'm trying to think about that. How would that apply to my own life? That's my homework. I'm taking that question with me. I'm going to think about it. <laughs> But yeah, that's why I just find, but like artists, are, you know, sometimes you'd be surprised. You think they're, you're, they get on stage and you're like, wow, they got the confidence, but there's a lot of stuff they're not willing to show compared oh, to what they're sure. showing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like trying to get them to, to open up even more is, is hard once they, you, they think they've already been opened up and then they're not. And mm -hmm. then you're like trying to get them to do more, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. uh, 
it just seems like, you know, journaling, I totally get because as an artist, mm -hmm. that's what we do. You know, yep. we keep diaries of everything. So how, how do you explain how that helps people who maybe don't do that? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I can't turn, I can't even imagine turning one of my journal entries into a song. Uh, that would take some real talent. Um, <laughs> I, I would say in the ways that it's helped me in my life, um, it's, it's morphed and changed over the years. So initially it was me just writing stream of consciousness, what, what happened in my day, trying to process some really heavy stuff. Um, I think initially was, was how I approached it. Um, I actually created um, one of my freebies is a journal prompts download. And so you can download and it's just got all these questions for you to work through and answer. Um, because the thing I like about journaling the most now is it's a way for me to process and uncover. Um, I'm very much a do it yourselfer. I want to be able to do the healing on my own. Um, it's easier to shine a light on our shadow side if we're behind closed doors and someone's not watching us. So I think journaling is a great way for us to practice that and to kind of write through. Um, for me, my mind runs 100 miles an hour. And so for me to write physically with a pen forces me to slow down those thoughts and try to unjumble, you know, unjumble them and kind of make sense of them. I've been able to um, uncover limiting beliefs through journaling, which is just this concept of you're walking around believing this thing to be true about your life and it's really limiting your potential. And being able to uncover that opens the door to the future where you want it to go. Um, so that's been really powerful. Um, and then really, sometimes it's, I'll tell you another thing that I've practiced with journaling a lot is gratitude because we're not conditioned to be grateful we are conditioned to look for the problem and seek out the negative. And so being able to practice gratitude um, for me took practice. And so journaling was a great way for me to kind of formulate this um, checklist almost. So I would write three to five things I was grateful for. I would write one thing I'm proud of and one thing I'm looking forward to. And it, it was like a formula that I could use on repeat every day and it created the habit. Um, and then it makes it easier. You know, the more you practice being grateful, the more you find opportunities and the whole law of attraction comes through. But um, journaling has been a great way for me to kind of practice all of those things and and be intentional about where I'm going and set the path for the day. Um, it, I mean, I could just go on and on about journaling. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of times people are so trying to put the, you know, they're trying to like schedule what they need to do. And the, they're kind of being down on themselves about the things they didn't hit. Yes. But, you know, being a cancer survivor, the one thing I learned is like, I'm happy I'm waking up every day. Yeah. That's a big win that I'm, I'm sure. still here. So a lot of times if you're, if you, you know, you, when you haven't gone through that kind of crucible thing, you could be kind of down on yourself and you're being so, so negative about mm -hmm. like all the things you didn't hit. But yes. then once you go through something and you survive it and you and you figure out how to how to actually process that and, and make it into a positive, you can find more things that you, you're grateful for. You oh, know, for you'll sure. find more things that like, hey, you know, like as as a, as somebody like you could look at like I did 99 songs and only one of them went through. You could say, well, mm -hmm. I failed 99 times or you could say those 99 pieces of music are steps toward the one song that got through and they're not, right. that's not, those aren't failures. Those no. are steps on the way to the top, the yep. way to, you know, so people, how you look at it, 
it's your perception, like philosophy, philosophers always say perception is reality. Like if you don't, oh, yes. if you perceive everything in a negative way, you're going to yeah. be in the down, downs all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and one of the things I started doing, um, it was not journaling specific, but at the end of the day, I would make a list of what I had done that day because I had the tendency to look like my to-do list is always long. I always have a bunch of things I want to do, a bunch of things I have to do. Um, and so I would get down on myself and be like, oh, but I didn't do X, Y, Z and one, two, three until I was like, hold on a second. What did I do today? And I would list out everything that I accomplished, everything that I, you know, chores I did all, all the things. And most of the time I sit back and go, wow, I did a lot today. Like, and it's just that shift of perspective of not what didn't get done, but what did you do? Um, and, and that has helped me, especially as an entrepreneur. Um, it's me and only me. So to move the needle in my business, am I doing the right activities? Am I, did I do the things today that mattered in my business? Or does that give me a new perspective or, you know, a new shift for tomorrow? Um, but the list of what I did do is, is just as helpful. Yeah, I think that's really uh, important. And it also helps you like to finding your purpose once you stop being down on yourself mm -hmm. and you start to find the bright lights and things. You know, a lot of times, you know, when I'm when I'm I try to let things be in terms of like art. Like I could have mm -hmm. an idea that I want to write this thing and it's gotta be in this this many uh, movements and this, but then that that idea gets kind of displaced if I open up and I, I turn on one of my my organs or my or my Moog or my one of my synths or something, and it just comes to me. And I mm -hmm. say, well, you know what? This is actually a higher priority because this is actually what's now. This mm -hmm. is what's happened, and this has kind of changed my mindset. Where oh, I thought I was going to do this, mm -hmm. but now I'm at the crossroads, and I went this other direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. like a lot of times you, know, you can have all these plans, and it's not bad idea to plan. But you sure. have to be willing to listen when something comes in, like the podcast that came out of nowhere. Yeah. This yeah. guy came to me and I didn't know what it was. And I could have said, well, I'm too busy writing tracks yep. to do that. And I could have totally ignored it yeah. and I wouldn't even be here. You yeah. Know, so. yeah. Well, <laughs> and we always have choice, right? So um, that's the one thing I like to remind people is um, this, this whole idea of what is my purpose in life? It feels monumental and huge. Like we're supposed to figure out that we really are a talented singer or, you know, it, it, we see these examples and think, well, gosh, it must've been really easy for that person to know, you know, Lady Gaga must've just known that this was her purpose. No, that's not how it happens. But a lot of times our purpose is not the thing that is supposed to make us money. And we think it should be our career, that our purpose mm -hmm. should be how we make a living and how we set. Sometimes, I mean, I've known people, their purpose is to be able to tap into joy every day because they battle depression or, you know, like it could be something that touches every aspect of your life, but isn't tied to your profession. And I think that's, that's also key to kind of keep in mind that it doesn't always have to be, I mean, it could yeah. just be a hobby. Well, I lived in Japan for, for like two years and uh, I'm a Buddhist and I, I kind of have this understanding of Eastern philosophy and the idea is sometimes, you, you know, Western Western kind of mindset is like industrialization and capital, capital, yes. you know, markets. And if it's not 
you know, art is kind of put on low on the totem pole. You know, I'm always kind of pushing in my school system. There's like, like, don't get rid of the art program. Yep. And people are like, oh, well, that doesn't do anything. It's like, like, you don't understand how much creativity uh, mm -hmm. is part of the process. Like everybody just thinks like, it, it's not just a bunch of like Wall Street guys that come yeah. up with the ideas. They come yep. up with the money, but the yep. ideas come from the dreamers. They come from the artists. Mm -hmm. And so just because the money people are elevated yep. doesn't mean, and then the people who come up with the ideas are kind of devalued yep. and it's kind of backwards because the idea is totally backwards. Company, yeah. It's not the right mindset. It's like, yeah, they come up with the money, but did they, because some people were trying to say it. I don't want to be a jerk, but saying that like uh, Elon Musk is like Edison. He's not Edison. I'm sorry. Cause he's a money guy. He's mm -hmm. not an idea guy. Mm -hmm. Right. The engineers, and designers are the idea guys. He went and found guys. Maybe he's good at finding guys and putting them together. But he's not Edison. He's not Tesla. He's yeah. not one of those guys. He knows how to take the money and give it to those guys. And then people are kind of put, saying that he's somebody that he's not. And it's like, the, that's a, I think that's the misrepresentation in our society, you know, not understanding what somebody is. Yeah. And I think it also, it, ties back to this concept that keeps coming around and around for me right now is um, that we need all kinds. We need both types of those people. And we need to be able to work together as a collective. Like it's all about unity and coming together because we're not meant to be all things. We're supposed to do our unique thing. What are you good at? And you partner up with the people that collectively makes humanity better. <laughs> at least that's my opinion. Yeah, but I think we get overvalued where like if you're a kid and you're an artist and, you know, Da Vinci was an artist. He was like a, you know, Renaissance type of people from that period mm -hmm. of people who knew math and science and art all at once. Mm -hmm. But then what gets happens is only the math is elevated. Only the economics is elevated. And then the art part of the Da Vinci kind of thing is not considered as being valuable. And I think that's the mistake. The mistake is is not realize that it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of that collective and you can't just have an overabundance of, of, yes. of, of one type of left brain or right brain. You got to have all the brains. <laughs> yeah. And I also think, you know, specific to kids in school. Um, so I'm a mama for, um, I fundamentally believe if we allowed kids to tap into that creativity and hold on to it, but it's conditioned out of them that we want to spend less and less time playing as we get older and older. Um, I feel like we would be raising happier human beings if we allowed play and creativity to be um, an equal part of what's important, right? And um, it's funny because I look at people who are going through a midlife crisis and I'm like, you're, you just are missing the creativity and the fun and the play. It's all yeah, a lot together. of times the people, when they go to therapy, they seem to go back to their inner child and they go back yeah. to something they were really into. What I found yeah. in a lot of conversations is people were like, you know, they were a lawyer, they're some banker or they're scientist yeah. or, and, and they spent a hundred hours a week just doing that, but they mm -hmm. did want to play piano or they did want to do, do, like a one act player, or they wanted to go and do photography, but they never took the time because people told them that wasn't worth anything. Like their parent told them it wasn't, or their grandpa or somebody told them. And then and they get to their crisis moment. They're like, I want to have fun. I'm not having fun. I'm a good scientist. I'm a good PhD, but I don't, I'm not having fun. I'm unhappy. 
yep. that the career is not satisfying me, even though I'm very good at it, because yep. they've lost that kind of like there, there's nothing wrong. Like what I find with musicians is like we actually have fun. Yeah. Right? We, we it's not even about making money. I might play for hours with some people. We didn't we didn't make any money, but we had a good yeah. time. It's, yeah, it's yeah. about actually experiencing something that lightens your heart and, and you're not depressed and you're not overthinking and yeah. you're having fun. You yeah. know. <laughs> I think we all need to do more of that. Yeah, I think then you you have peace of mind. And when you have peace of mind, a lot of things open up. Like if you've got a heavy heart and a heavy mind and a heavy soul because you're you're just so unhappy. Yep. If you find something in your life, whether you know, I'm an artist, I always push art. But if you know sports or mm-hmm. athletics or something, whatever, you know, walking in the woods, whatever. If something mm-hmm. makes you happy, do more of the thing that makes you happy and you'll find, yeah. you know, if you get, you know, diminishing returns from sitting at your desk for eight hours hammering at a problem, exactly. maybe you need to walk away and go walk in the woods and come back. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, going out in nature is, is definitely, I'm really like an indoor city girl, but um, there are times actually daily where I know that I need to go outside and at least sit there and listen to the birds or watch the tree swaying in the breeze or whatever. There's something about being out in nature that kind of connects us back to earth and what's bigger than us, I think. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of those. Well, and I just think we, we all have those moments where we're, we're powering down the path of where we think we need to go. And we try to, we're trying really hard and it's all about the effort and the, um, the work behind where we're trying to go. When, if we just let go and relax a little bit and allow things to kind of fall into place, things are smoother and easier. And then that's usually when the idea, you know, the problem that you're trying to solve, you've got the answer. That's when the things come to us is when we've allowed ourselves to kind of lighten, um, lighten up really. Uh, Abraham Hicks actually talks about this concept of our vibration, our energy, um, and that the there's like a cork bobbing in the water and that when we let go of those effort and the trying so hard and the, the struggle and the, you know, all the stuff that makes us feel heavy when we let go of that and just allow ourselves to kind of bob up to the top of the water, we feel lighter and freer. And that's when the, I feel like we're in creative flow. That's when we can tap into creativity. That's when we can solve those problems and things feel easier and lighter and it happens faster. I think even relationships happen that way. Like if you're stressed, mm. right? Yes. And the thing is, I believe in energy because I'm a Buddhist, but you know, I'm a musician. And a lot of what I believe is like energy, like waveforms. Yes. I deal with synthesis and waveforms. And what I find, if you've got like like a waveform coming about you that's very frenetic, it's like it's it's not peaceful. It's not something that mm-hmm. would be harmonious. It's kind of mm-hmm. jagged. It's like rough and you yes. you walk into a room and you've kind of sensed the people have kind of kind of jagged emotions they're, they're how are they going to attract anybody they're kind of pushing people away totally right they're so stressed out or so freaked out that like yeah they're not going to really no one's going to want to be around them so that's not yeah. going to happen if yeah. you start to find a way to find that inner peace then things will happen so you might be trying really hard and you're stressing yourself out Mm-hmm. And it's like that diminishing returns when it's not happening. Like you keep on overworking and it's not really solving it. You know, hundred hours a week isn't solving it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I think that's, it all kinds of kind of inter 
intertwines with the, all the aspects of your heart, your mind, your body, and your soul, right? If you get exactly. into harmony, things start to fall into place. It's where the magic <laughs> happens. Simple, but it, yeah, but it's like, it, it seems to be what happens. Yeah, totally. Well, and that that's definitely what I have tried to capture in this program is walking people through, because here's the thing, everyone's different. So like meditation is a great example. I, meditating is a core element of when my days go well, it's because I meditated. And when things start to go awry, it's because, oh, I didn't meditate today. Uh, so for me, it's really a critical component of my daily routine. But, you know, there's lots and lots of people who are claim that they cannot work. meditate, right? It doesn't work for me. I can't shut off my mind or whatever the thing is. Um, and so what I walk people through how to do in this program is find out what does work for you. So I can tell you what works for me. I can tell you what works for my clients and people I've worked with. Um, but the, that doesn't really matter. What matters is that you can figure out what works for you so that you know how to tap into that. And so this is really walking people through how do you figure out what's my thing? What's my plan that I know I know when I feel out of alignment, I know when things feel off, how do I quickly get back to where I need to be? And by need to be, it's where it feels good and you want to be. Um, and that's what that program walks you through is how to find that balance and what works for one person will in fact not work for another person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like, you know, I run into people that, you know, they can't work in the flow. They can't do stream of consciousness. They want the cord sheet. They want mm -hmm. it written down every note because they can't just sit there and like jam with the band and figure it out mm -hmm. that actually causes them a lot of anxiety yep they, that type of musician like actually wants it written down yes. wants to know exactly what it's going to be and that's that's that person so if, if you realize you have that person you can't force them to square peg into the round hole they're not it's not yeah, they're yeah. not the kind of guy that's gonna just jam because they're yep. not into it that's not who they are. So once you realize you find a certain, I think what happens is people sometimes like they have this mindset and they think everybody should apply, that should apply to everything. Exactly. And it, like, like you said, and it doesn't. It doesn't work that way at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're unique human beings. No one person is like another. So why would we think the same way would work for everyone? It doesn't. You got to find what works for you. Well, sometimes in the workplace, they don't seem to know that. No, no, they don't. <laughs> You know, because like, I remember, like, you know, I work from home now and I'm a software mm -hmm. designer in my day job. Mm -hmm. And for many years, I had to be a road warrior. And it was mm -hmm. like a badge of honor that we got to you know, fly out on Sunday and come back Thursday and do it. Keep on yes. doing that and burn ourselves out. And now it's like, oh, that shows you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole COVID thing happened and we found out, you know, for the last two and a half years, I've been home yeah. and I've actually been more productive yeah. and get more done. And so then I mean, it changed the whole mindset and they're like, it oh. changed it for a lot of people. This whole idea of like, wait a second, it doesn't need to be butts and seats to make my business run. <laughs> like we're more productive to let our people be happy and home in their pajamas. Like what? It's a, it yeah. was a game changer for a lot of people. Yeah. They couldn't believe it. They're like, yeah. that can't work. It's yeah. like, because they had a mindset where they, you know, they, they want to force it. And it's like, and some of them still want to force it. Oh yeah. But some of us are like, I'm not going back to that. Well, and I think that's what it uncovered, right? That these COVID days uncovered that some people do work really well going into an office and going away from home and some people don't. And so be, I think having that flexibility to know, okay, can you tune into what works well for you? How are you the best employee or how are you showing up best 
for some people, it is still going into an office and they missed it. So, yeah, yeah, for some not, people that, that was that's, not me. Yeah, <laughs> that was not my me. whole thing is I, you know, I became a consultant, so I didn't have to go on the track. So because then yeah. I could just do it, and I don't have to worry about somebody's expectation. Like, but if you become, you know, the salaried structure was, oh, we expect you to do X. Yeah. But if I'm a consultant and you measure me based on what I can do, then yeah. I can fit into the paradigm that fits me. So it becomes like, okay, I can be, I can still do this work, but I don't have to do it inside of your box. Like exactly. I can do it where I'm comfortable and you get what you need and I get what I need. I think that's where that kind of marriage is like, okay, if somebody still wants to go in, that's fine. If somebody doesn't, yes. but then trying to put everybody in the same box, I think that's the mistake that you know still is being made by certain yeah, organizations not understanding <laughs> it is well i always say people don't belong in boxes anyways yeah <laughs> yeah i always i was always pushing that myself because the creative mindset isn't going to want to be in a box mm -mm. and if you wanted you know people to design i design stuff that's never been built yeah. So you think putting me in a box is going to get me to do that better or put me in an environment where I'm more comfortable is going to get me to do that better. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, I kind of figured out for myself, so I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I think that's when you, you have to be like strong enough to not get bullied. I think a lot of people oh, get sure. bullied into you know, doing something that really doesn't make them feel good, but they think they have to. Yes. Yes. Well, there's a lot of things we think we have to in the society. Um, but I think that's what self-awareness is all about, right? Learning about what's actually important to you and, and tapping into, you know, what boundaries do I need for this, this whole self-love, self-care um, theme that in, you know, direction you see people going in, it's because it, it allows you to figure out what is important to you. I have a whole chapter in my book about self-care, um, because a lot of moms and we find ourselves, some of us find ourselves divorced, raising these children by ourselves. Um, self-care is like the last thing. It's the bottom of the list of what we're going to focus on. Um, but being able to figure out, you know, what do you like to do? What is important to you? What fills your bucket um, is, is kind of tied to that, that we were just talking about. Like, how do you work best? Where, what environment do you thrive in? being able to answer those questions for, you know, some people it's, they get to midlife and that's the first time they've ever even really considered what, what do I want to do? What, what does light me up? Um, so it's important. Yeah. Work. This seems like, you know, it's just, there's some societal expectations with like dating and marriage mm -hmm. and relationships sure. and, you know, people have these expectations and then sometimes they don't even communicate. Like you, if it, like some people feel like I'm going to, I'm going to save this person or I can change this person. Oh dear. Yes. Right. And then it's like, well, that's really not going to happen. Mm -mm. And so if that was your goal, then that's kind of a total misalignment. Yeah. And then eventually you discover like, well, that's never going to happen. And then you have to make a decision, but you had this kind of belief that you could do it, yeah. but it wasn't really uh, based on anything other than it was a truth that you thought was real, but isn't. And so yeah. I think a lot of people come to that point and like, oh, it's not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's some of the work. Um, so 
my dating book that I talked about, it actually stemmed from a dating course I created. And that's the work we do in that course is to kind of look back at past relationships and identify what those patterns are and take responsibility for how you showed up in those relationships. Um, that way you can look at it and choose more strategically and intentionally um, where you want to go next with dating. It's a very interesting thing to date later in life. Yeah, because at the point when you're young, you people are like opposites attract, or you mm -hmm. you go for something that you think you know your parents like them, or they like mm -hmm. her, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But did, did do you really like them? You know, exactly. some people seem to get into this thing where, like, are you doing this for your family? Or are you doing it for your friends? Or are you doing it for you? Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. people. Some people have been trained self sacrifice so much. Yes. That they didn't even think about it. And then yep. find themselves into a situation where they're not have they, they never really were help you know trying to satisfy them their own needs they're just like always helping other people yeah well and it's funny because you know we can we can do a lot of work to heal from those situations and to do the work to figure out like why am i attracting these people that takes a lot of um, self-observation but being able to shift those patterns and change them is where it gets tricky and then so you attract the new person, you get in a relationship, that's when all of your untouched stuff will come up. Relationships are the best teachers for, oh, I still have to work on that. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you never, like some people always think like, oh, I get married and then everything's going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. well, how could that be? Because I you know I watched my yeah, parents' exactly. marriage, and it was like it was never <laughs> perfect. You know, it's like right. my grandparents like that was never perfect. It's like the right. idea that somehow you're going to find somebody, your soulmate's going to complete you, yes. is kind of like this. You know, maybe that can happen, but most likely not every day is perfect. There's a lot yeah. of things that are not perfect, and how much of that are you willing to grow with? If you're yeah. willing to communicate. Or how much of it is intransigent and will never change. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think this idea of chasing perfection is a myth. I don't think perfection exists. So why we would expect, you know, a marriage to be perfect or a job to be perfect or, you know, our life purpose to feel perfect. I don't I don't think any of that holds true. It's like people want that million dollars, but what is that million dollars going to get you? Like mm -hmm. because I want to want that. But what is it that you want to do with it? Like, maybe you don't need a million dollars to do what you want to do. Yeah. Maybe well, most wanna, people, yeah, yeah they, they think it's that. <laughs> they want something because they think they're going to feel something or it, it's going to bring them something that they don't have today instead of cultivating that. You know, if it's happiness, well, then choose happy today on your way to the million dollars. It's never the yeah, thing. If you get the million dollars and you haven't solved the things that make you unhappy, you'll be Correct. unhappy with a million dollars. Correct. Well, and <laughs> the same holds true for the, the relationship is true the same way, right? You, A lot of people want to be in the relationship because they feel like that's going to complete them or they'll feel whole or they'll be content. And really, that is your power to hold and change for yourself. Like being able to be happy by yourself is how you're happy with a partner. Yeah. That's I think people make the mistake is they think that other person is going to make them happy. Mm -hmm. But if you're unhappy, until you solve the unhappiness within yourself, the other person is probably not is not responsible for your happiness. 
But exactly. you got to bring that to the table. If you go and solve that, then it's going to just continue. Uh, yep. And I think people make that error all the time. And it seems like very simple that you would realize that. But I yeah. think a lot of times we don't know yeah. where we are. <laughs> in our true. heads, in our hearts, our souls, we don't really know. Because a lot of times we're told that self-assessment is all we're foo-foo that. You know, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that. That's where you, as you get older, it's like, well, I probably should have done more of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That self-assessment is important. It's important. It's the, it's the key to happiness. So, yeah, I think uh, we've had a really interesting discussion and we've talked about flow a bunch of times. Yeah. And I think the flow is very important for somebody to kind of find that happiness is when you find that flow that if things are like e come easy to you when you find that, like yes. you find the athlete that can do the three point shot, they do it all the time. Well, it mm -hmm. wasn't because they just can do it. They practiced it. You know, musicians, sure. we can't, we don't just hit those notes because they just hit them because we, we practice. Yeah. So I think a lot of times people need to practice some kind of self love, you know, they get yes. to that point. Cause you know, it's where all the people who, or artists or athletes, they actually do a lot of practice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and that's what I talk about with meditation too. I'm like, they call it a practice because it takes practice. But I think you're right that getting into that creative flow um, on the days that I have been able to tap into that juicy goodness, I am much happier. I am a lighter, freer being. The way I encounter people and go about my day is so much easier and more fun when I've allowed myself the time to tap into creativity. It's totally true. Yeah. I, I just think uh, it's important for people to uh, understand that it's not just the arts, but it's also the things that are more kind of esoteric mm -hmm. that maybe can't be measured with metrics. Yes. You know, and those things sometimes are hard to prove to people that they're important because you can't put them on the pie chart and you can't yeah. put them on the graph. Yeah. You know, unless you get somebody who figured out how to do it. Yeah. And even then it's like, oh, is that really the point? <laughs> well, yeah, I had a podcast guest early in my uh, initial season and she came on and she said, you know, it's interesting. We talk about creativity or flow or any of these things. She goes, you notice when people say, you know, I, I, um, I'm starting to run. She's like, people don't go, oh, are you good at it? But if you say, oh, I've started painting, people will go, are you good at it? Like there's this qualification <laughs> for like, you have to be good in order to be a paint, to paint something. Painter, yeah. Not, but you don't ask them like, the same question if they start running. Oh, are you good at that? Like, are you no, going to walk in the woods? Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't ask. <laughs> you don't really need to be that good unless you're going to fall down all the time. Cause you don't, can't keep a good step, you know, yeah. if you're walking on a trail, yeah. but um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. But I think, uh, like I said, uh, it's always great to have people on the show. We're having a really good conversation. I'm sorry that we're, we're probably near the end of it tonight because I have another podcast. But I want people to know about your website again. It's www.shawnalee.com forward slash align. For those of you on the audio, uh, that's there on the on the public pu publicized version of the um, podcast. You'll be able to click through on that. But for those of you listening on audio, go to www.shanalee.com forward slash align. And again, again, what would they find there? 
That's the Align program. It's how to create your own plan to balance body, mind, and spirit. Yeah, that's a great place to go. You can also find me, uh, Simply Shauna Lee, on all the socials. Cool. Well, thank you for being a guest on the podcast tonight. Um, it's been a really uh, great experience. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a super fun conversation. Have a good night. Thanks, you too.